Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Has Gerald McCoy played his last game with the Bucs, and why is there so much ambiguity about the six-time pro bowler? We talked to Bucks coach Bruce Arians, who said McCoy is not as productive as he was four years ago, and he still has to evaluate him. Where is all this leading? We'll tell you in just a minute. Meanwhile, Lightning coach John Cooper has a new multi-year contract extension. This takes away a storyline from the postseason, but they're going to stick with Coop. Just part of what's been a historic year for the Bolts. Fresh off that thrilling 5-4 to comeback win over the Boston Bruins the other night. They're back in action on Saturday against the Washington Capitals, their last game in the regular season at Emily Arena. And we're one day from opening day of the Rays in baseball. Blake Snell against the Astros and Justin Verlander. What an opening day matchup that's going to be. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? If so, seven days a week, you can experience the wonder and magical charm of Captain Mike swimming with the manatees in Crystal River. Now, I've done this. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. You're going to love it. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about their free tour for law enforcement and U.S. military requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for a free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay and Crystal River. It's absolutely beautiful up there. Pure paradise. Water 72 degrees. Perfect time of the year to go and bring your family and swim with these gentle creatures. You can ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and much more. Book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com. Or call 352-571-1888. All right, Steve, the NFL owners meeting wrapped up here uh, in Arizona, where I am, uh, where we take this podcast. And kind of a surprise, I got to be honest, you know, it's hard to get 32 owners to agree on anything. You need at least three quarters of them, 24, to pass uh, some changes. And instant replay was the big discussion this year, of course, going back to the NFC Championship game, where the New Orleans Saints had an egregious call or non-call, I should say, a pass interference go against them, probably uh, would have uh, potentially you know, cost them a game, cost them a trip to the Super Bowl. Sean Payton, of course, is on the competition committee, which did not actually propose this. But while I was here um, the other day on Monday, the coaches got in there with the officials. This meeting went three hours or three and a half hours past what it was scheduled. It was a uh, just a, a huge fight, if you will. Um, coaches wanting to uh, utilize more instant replay, and apparently the owners got the message uh, because on Tuesday the NFL owners voted to approve a rule proposal that will allow for offensive and defensive pass interference, including non-calls, to be subject to review. So this, in fact, would have corrected the mistake made in the NFC Championship game. Now, coaches can challenge those calls through the first 28 minutes of each half, but the final two minutes uh, they're going to be subject to a booth review. And uh, this change will, will just be, you know, for the uh, for the 2019 season. And then they'll go back and analyze it and see how it goes. So it ended up a 31 to one uh, vote, actually. Um, Mike Brown of Cincinnati, of course, always is the lone dissenter. <laughs> he's he's known for dissension. Um, 
so yeah, he uh, he did, he voted no. But uh, then being a longtime NFL owner, I could see perhaps why he would do that. But anyway, I think it's look they got the technology. Uh, I think a couple things. My my initial thoughts are, the this is optics for the NFL, and they were very concerned uh, about some of the stories that came out afterward. Um, you know, it led to conspiracy theories about referees that were California based and all this sort of thing. And let's let's just be honest. If the integrity of this league is ever compromised or even the optics of it, um, you've got a problem. You, and that's, you know, gambling is really one of the, the biggest attractions to the NFL, legalized or otherwise. But certainly the legalized gambling and the bookmaking and all that, you cannot have a situation like you had last year where people feel as if, the result was the wrong one. And so, um, you know, and for a lot of reasons, I mean, just the general integrity of the league, uh, I think that the owners felt compelled to at least create some kind of mechanism. And again, they were listening to their coaches. Their coaches were very adamant about this. Sean Payton um, sort of, you know, even though he's on the competition committee that did not recommend this proposal, um, it was then brought to the floor by the owners uh, listening to their coaches. So kind of, a, kind of an unusual thing for the NFL. Like I said, it's very hard to get this sort of change done this quickly. But once again, we add more replay where, and Roger Goodell's quote was replay is to get it right, but there's still lots of things that are not reviewable. So your goal isn't to get it right. It's to appease everybody. To some degree. Yeah. Otherwise the games might take five and a half, six hours long. Well, but... they already, they already take too long with it. I'm, I'm one who's against replay because I think they've instituted it completely wrong. And if, if everything's not reviewable, then you're not trying to get it right. Well, yeah, that's not, the that's, goal. And that's, that's the John Gruden argument that why don't you make everything rebuttable because a holding call on third down might be as big a play as not calling pass interference. Yeah. So what happens next year in the playoffs when it's a holding call that's missed? Well, maybe I'll have to that, have that, a discussion about, I mean, yeah. You know, instead of pass interference, I grab the, I grab the receiver before the ball's thrown. That's holding. That's not pass interference. Right. Right. What, what, yeah. what, what did you fix? Nothing. Well, it's one thing at a time. No, <laughs> well, no. Look, First, they're, they're, you know what's interesting the, about the this NFL is, does what they usually do is react. They react, and and it's again, it's about optics. But the interesting thing about this, and when you talk about pass interference, the DPI, or or the offensive interference, first of all, can they even define what that is? What constitutes <laughs> interference? I mean, because nobody knows. To me, it's a little like what the catch has been, right? Mm-hmm. What is a catch? Um, and, and so they have to come up with some some hard definitions about, you know, what constitutes offensive interference. And you're going to have debate even with the replays or the non-calls that are challenged. So it's going to be very interesting how this, it's one thing to say, we're going to do this and this may have presented, prevented sort of a travesty and, and on the New Orleans saints. Um, and, and we don't want this to happen again, but indeed, depending on how you apply it, it could happen again. You know, it, it's, it's got to be applied. Somebody has to look at this and make a judgment call uh, especially if there's a no call about it. So it's going to be interesting just to see how this affects the NFL going forward. And, uh, but that was, that was sort of an unexpected outcome. I've been going to these meetings a long time. Typically rule changes and, and the expansion of replay is not something that's universally re- or, you know, embraced the way it was with the exception of Mike Brown. So um, it, was, uh, it was a contentious meeting. There was, there was a lot of uh, lively debate among, among coaches in particular. And I think I think the owners follow suit. Okay, the big news out here, we had the NFL coaches breakfast at the annual meeting. 32 coaches sat down for about an hour. We had a chance to talk to Bruce Arians uh, as beat writers that covered the Tampa Bay Times from the Pure Report, um, Joe Bucks fan, myself, 
well, the Buccaneers.com, obviously. So a gaggle of us, as, as you would say, with Bruce Arians. And then, um, the, you know, the general uh, media that was covering the event and ourselves got to sit with, uh, with Bruce. And so we're going to have an opportunity here in just a minute. You'll hear from Bruce Arians on a multitude of, of topics, uh, not the least of which was Gerald McCoy. And, you know, I, they, the Bucks, the signals that they have sent have sort of been back and forth, up and down, all over the place. But I think, I think the momentum is headed only in one direction now. Look, McCoy is, by all accounts, uh, very unlikely. In fact, <clears throat> I think, I really think Bruce Bruce Arians made it pretty clear that it's, it's extremely unlikely he'll be with this football team. And you know, he he kind of played it off to Jason Light and it being a financial situation, and it certainly is when he's due thirteen million dollars that are not guaranteed. Um, but basically, you know, Arians, I will say this in, in the few times we've had a chance to talk to him, he's extremely blunt. He does not really mince words all that much. He's tried to be political about this. But the day he went a step farther and he said um, a couple of things about McCoy that uh, one, you know, at this age, he's, he's first of all, looking at the film, he's not as disruptive as he was four years ago, still thinks he can do some things. Um, but when you, when you combine that with the fact that the Bucks only have about $2 million of salary cap space, which is the worst in the league, uh, and his contract is not guaranteed, and then you look at his production, six sacks last year, still had the most quarterback hits, 21 of any player on the team, but his 28 tackles matched a career low uh, in the years that he's played a full season. And he also missed the Pro Bowl for the first time since 2011. He wasn't voted the captain. So what Arian said is that, you know, look, I, I've got to evaluate him. I mean, he knows that when you reach a certain age and Warren Sapp played nine seasons in Tampa Bay, this this would be Joe McCoy's 10th season if he plays here in 2019, that, that you know, this is when you're mo- making the most money and the production starts to fall. So what do you do in that instance? Um, I think it's hard because he's an iconic player. Um, you know, now what do they have coming up? They have. On April 1st, they begin the off-season workout program. It's the first time the players can be back in the building with coaches. It's predominantly weight and speed training and some stuff like that. Um, they can break down with their position coaches. They're not going to be as a group. That comes later. And then towards the end of the month, before three days before the NFL draft, they have their first voluntary mini camp because you know a new head coach gets an extra mini camp, and so that's for you know installation and, and sort of evaluating uh, those coaches you know, can evaluate their roster for the first time on grass, uh, which is certainly different than watching them on film. Now, I'm here to tell you, without much, uh, if it's not resolved by then, and it well it well could be, I don't expect to see McCoy, Steve, at either of those. I don't expect him to participate in the offseason workout program with the Bucks, and I don't expect to see him, you know, come to minicamp. Well, after what Arian said publicly about him, why would you? I, I would I mean, no. Look, I appreciate Bruce Arians being blunt, and I, you know, if I'm playing for him, I want him to be blunt with me. But those conversations should be in private. Why are you airing that out in public? I guess. Look, the, if you're going to move know, the on, the old answer is if, because because we asked. But you're right. I think they have, and I really do believe that behind the scenes they've tried not to talk a lot about him. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it's the elephant in the room, right? I mean, you can't you can't say, well, you know, Jameis Winston this and. You know, um, Levante, David, that. And then when you get to Gerald McCoy, they go, well, he's still on the team. I mean, come on. I mean, look, there's all, there's never a good way to do this. It's always clumsy. 
But I think behind the scenes, if I had to guess, they're trying to, to do what's best for them, obviously, which is to get $13 million out of him uh, or get it back from his salary. And then also maybe place him, um, whether that's a trade. I mean, I'm sure they would love for a team to say, look, we'll give you a draft pick, you know, name it, um, for Gerald McCoy, and we'll take on his $13 million contract. I'm just not sure any team is prepared to do that before the draft. What I'm so saying, what though, I'm is going, if, if you're trying to trade him, why are you going out there saying he's not as disruptive as he was four years ago? Well, and that doesn't help you, and you make a great point. The honesty is not going to help their trade position. If, if they're saying we looked – because I asked the question, you know, what does the film tell you? And that's when he came up with that response. Um, the numbers would tell you that, too, but, he again, he still had, you know, the most quarterback hits of anybody, including Jason Pierre-Paul, who led the team in sacks. Um, but – you know, he's kind of deferring it to Jason saying, well, you know, it's, it's sort of also a, a financial decision. But look, the Bucks have never and I mean never known how to part them part, you know, themselves with an iconic player. They have fumbled this almost from time beginning. And, you know, the ones that come to mind, of course, are John Lynch, who, you know, failed a physical or so Bruce Allen you know, announced one day. Uh, and he was just unceremoniously dumped for a failed physical. Oh, by the way, a week later, he passed the same physical with the Denver Broncos and made four straight Pro Bowls. But that left some really bad feelings, obviously, between Bucks fans <clears throat> watching how they treated John Lynch. Um, the same was true and maybe more egregious with Derek Brooks. I mean, here's a first ballot Hall of Famer, Mr. Buck, you know, guy in and out of the community um, that had you know done so much. You know, defensive player of the year, the year that they won to the Super Bowl, uh, he won that, uh, you know, just at, you know, and then when they cut him, he basically was part of a one paragraph release by the Bucks that also included other players like Cato June. I mean, they've never really understood um, sort of how you move on from an iconic player. And there's never a good way to do it because feelings are always going to be hurt, you know. But it's business. I mean, you know, at one point you decided Warren Sapp, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, wasn't going to play for you. And he went on as a free agent and signed with the Raiders and played another three or four years and made another Pro Bowl. So it just happens. There comes a time when all teams have to part with those guys. But this has been so publicly mishandled. And I guess I see your point. You're right. It's like you've kept sort of your silence to this point. Now, as a journalist, as a writer, I love it because. You know, I want honesty. Um, it probably doesn't help his value if there is a trade market for him. Um, but I will say this. I know I know Gerald McCoy. And um, take this for what it's worth. I guess you'll have to trust me. But, you know, McCoy is not done playing. He's not retiring, okay, if they release him. He thinks he can play another three or four years. He is getting himself in the best shape uh, probably that he's he could possibly be in at age 31. And he's doing some things that will help him with that. I also think that for the first time, maybe Steve ever, he's motivated by anger. You know, he's a hungry player now. He has something to prove. Um, you know, now, do you have something to prove as a number three overall pick? Yeah, he got hurt the first two years, all that. But I think he's really going to be wounded by this. And we'll see what he has left. But it's not going to be for a lack of, of, of motivation. I think the Bucks are giving him every motivation he needs to continue his career. Well, and, and the whole point of this is, look, it's been well reported that Gerald McCoy may not be part of this team. His contract's not guaranteed. It's a big number. 
He's, sure. He's a lot of salary cap now. being what you know, it is. You know. I mean, everyone knows that. If you want to move on with him, move on. Why are you putting out there that he's not as disruptive as he was four years ago? If you want to tell him that personally, I, I, sure. I think that's a great thing for a coach to be that blunt with one sure. of their players. And I think the players appreciate that. But why are you, I don't understand why you do it publicly. I don't, it, it's not helping your organization. It's not helping doing what's best for your organization. And it's not helping your fan base or anything else either. I mean, there, there's, I mean, while McCoy is, is a polarizing figure, there's a lot of, there's a lot of your fans that love Gerald McCoy. And, I, I would agree and, with that. And if that. you want to move on, I mean, look, very rarely in sports do players go out in a storybook ending. It almost they never all, do because, on their own terms. Because team, right. teams are ready to move on long before the player's ready to quit. And I found this to be true. You make a great point, and I find this to be true as well. The, the better the player, the least likely he is to know when it's time to, to put the keys on the table. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, for whatever reason, I mean, Michael Jordan, for God's sakes, ended up playing for the Washington Wizards. You know, Willie Mays with the New York Mets. I mean, how far back do you want to go? Joe Namath with the Los Angeles Rams. It doesn't seem to matter. It's almost as if, you know, the only guy that the only guy that did it right maybe was Derek Jeter, you know, who retired with with the only team he played for. But even even he may have stayed too long. Yeah, maybe um, a John Elway, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Peyton Manning, you know, went to the Denver Broncos and he won another Super Bowl, but I'm here to tell you. He wasn't very he good. He didn't, didn't look too good doing it. Um, it, was almost, it was almost tragic to watch. So, you know, there's that. And I'm, I'm not saying Gerald's career is done. No. Um, but those are the guys. But you're right. It's like... Do they really? Here's my questions for the for the Bucks. Do you really think that you're going to get a draft pick? Now, you know, there's a chance that a team, even though it's a defensive heavy draft on defensive line in particular, might not get the player they were hoping for, and the draft doesn't fall their way, and they go, you know what? With Gerald McCoy, we'd be whole again. Let's go ahead and give the Bucks something. Um, but to me, if you've made the decision, like you said, that you know this is about money versus production then just cut him free and let him choose his own team where he wants to go to next surely there's a team you know that can negotiate its own deal with gerald mccoy Mm -hmm. and then he can make the decision as brooks had to as others now sometimes these guys get to the point where they go you know um for what i'm being offered to continue my career and what i have to spend to relocate my family i'm being apart from them what have you it's just not worth it to me and they do ultimately come around to the decision like Brooks made, which is not to, not to play again. I don't think that's going to be the case with McCoy. You know, I saw Ndamukong Sue get $14.5 million, and to be honest with you, he didn't play that great until the postseason. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be a place for Gerald, and it may be somewhere in the NFC South, which would be even more Well, I think uh, he would love to do that. Absolutely. And so for that reason, you know, may, maybe they'd like to control where he goes, but you know, because if they trade him, then he has to go where they trade him. But I don't think that they would just send him anywhere. Um, so I, I'm with you. I'm kind of like, okay, enough already. You know what? What is the point here? Well, if it's about getting compensation, you got to let that go. Well, and look, if you're holding on to him to try to get compensation, that's fine. Then don't trash him publicly. True. And trash may be that may be a harsh word. I mean, he he didn't say he was a bad player, but. No, but they didn't. Deshaun Jackson, didn't you, 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 you raved about Deshaun Jackson in a great meeting with him and 
That's and, and, right. And all along, you were trying to trade them. And and that's right. Look, fans and and your 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 fan base can understand the moves you make, but Gerald McCoy has been a huge part of this franchise for a long time. Is this how you want to treat those guys? I mean, I if you're ready to move on, fine, make the move. And, and even if you're going to hold on to the draft because maybe there's some value there, okay, I understand that, and that's your right to do that. He's still on your roster, still under contract, still on your team. But you don't need Wouldn't to make public better? comments that are that – are, disparaging may not be the right word, but why are you saying he's less than he used to be? There's no point to it. Well, first of all, none of us are what we used to be. But I think, you know, if I had to think about it, and I know it's a different position, but, you know, when Peyton Manning left the Colts, Okay, they had a press conference. He knew he was going to play again. He knew he was moving on, but he wanted to say goodbye in that building to his teammates, to that to that city, uh, and tell people what it meant to him. And he said, "You know, I I had loved I've loved being your quarterback. Shouldn't Gerald get an opportunity to say that, or, or whatever, you know, or not? Maybe he chooses not to have that media conference, but it'd be a hell of a lot better." Then, you know, every time you're asked about him saying, well, he's on the team for now. I mean, that that just doesn't seem. And then one day there's going to be a release that he was released or or traded. But I don't think they're going to end up getting, you know, anything for him. I could be wrong about that. And maybe they've given his agent, you know, an opportunity to look around and try to find a team that um, that, you know, you can come to an agreement or, with. Or, but, or maybe they're just trying to trade him so they don't have to cut him. Well, that, too. But then That's why it. are you saying anything publicly? Well, again, I agree with you. It does not help his value. It's just been a weird sort of agonizing episode. And like I said, all this time, Gerald is off social media. You haven't heard a word from him. Mm-hmm. I know he is focused. I know he is working out. He's leaving it between his agents and the Bucks. And um, the next thing you hear will probably be when he surfaces somewhere else. Uh, I just don't, I just think that this is fuel and that's the way he'll use it. And, you know, good on him. What else can he do? He can't control the situation. He's under contract with the bucks, but I think, you know, the notion and Bruce said this too, you know, Hey, don't ask me about any player who's not here. When we go to these, when we go to the mini camps or the OTAs, because I'm only going to talk about the guys that are here. You know, he knows he's not going to be here. So I can't fathom why the guy would come in based on just the conversations that have been going on. We'll see. Um, I did want uh, our listeners to have an opportunity to actually hear the exchange between myself and some other reporters. Um, Mostly it was a back and forth with with me and Bruce. Um, As part of this sort of one hour sit down breakfast, if you will, uh, um, with all the 32 coaches. But this is um, the beat writers and others that come up uh, in inquiring different things about uh, this season with New Bucks head coach, Bruce Arians. We've asked about Gerald, you and Jason have come on, and Jason yesterday, and maybe it's been asked and I didn't hear today, but um, uh, just your general thoughts. You, you've played against him twice as an offensive coach. Talk about you know the, the, the issues that he creates as an offensive staff and and, and why you'd like to have him start to hey, be here. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on our team, and he plays three technique, and we, we have a three technique that penetrates and he he did it as well, whatever that was, four years ago. Um, would I like to see him more disruptive? Yeah, you know, but we can use him. There's no, if he's here, he's going to be used a bunch, you know. It's just a matter of, of what happens. 
we know Winston's here, we know Levante's here, we know certain players. Why is there any ambiguity about Winston or about uh, McCoy? Is it his salary? Is it uh, what you guys have to do to get draft pick signed? I mean, is, is there any doubt that this guy's going to be on the football team? And if there is, why? Um, it's probably a better question for Jason, but because the financial is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I got to evaluate him. I mean, guys hit an age is yeah. different, right? Now, it's usually the age when they're getting paid the most. Right. And product, production and, and don't match. So we got to find that out, you know? And, and how and, will you do that? It's very hard because we can't get in pads, you know, but you still see it, you know, and you still see his enthusiasm for the game. If he still has all that, I'm fine. As a coach, I coach who I got. I'll coach the guys that are there. Now, guys don't show up, don't ask me about them. Yeah. I ain't talking about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I talk, I'm talking about the guys that show up, so um, hopefully that we'll see how that goes. What does the film say? <clears throat> he's not as disruptive as he was four years ago, but he's still pretty disruptive. He's still a good player. Yeah. Do you, so do you have to get him in OTAs? Are we talking about, I mean, if he... Oh, yeah. I mean, if he's there, if he's there. I mean, he, he'll be our starting three. Ain't yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. It's, it seems like his roster status is... Up in the air. Everybody's this. I mean, it's, a, it's not. It's, it's, it's what you've done for me lately, business. It's hard. It's cold. Yeah, that's it. But what you gonna do for me now? You know, is it? Is it the price and the productivity the same? We got. We got to find that out. With every player. So interesting comments from Bruce Arians. You'll hear more of that interview um, with the coaches' breakfast that we had with Bruce, uh, and in several parts, probably over the next. A uh, couple days or weeks or so, for sure. Meanwhile, Steve, exciting news if you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. They have locked up head coach John Cooper for a multi-year extension. This seemed inevitable. It seems so simple that, you know, why would you consider anything else? And yet, I think the timing of it, Steve, is important because there's not this sort of question hanging over Cooper into the playoffs where it's like, well, you better win or else. Well, we won't have for the second straight year a coach win the Stanley Cup and walk away. <laughs> that's right. Because that's what Barry Trotz did last year with Washington. Uh, Coop, who just got his 300th victory the other night in, in just his 500th game, and so he was the second fastest to do that. Uh, and he's also the most tenured coach in the NHL at six years in one day. That's hard to believe. Yeah, when Joel Quenville was fired at Chicago earlier this year, he became the most tenured coach, which is kind of crazy to think, really. Stunning. It's stunning. It really is. Um, and, I, and I think that, look, what else could you do, right? I mean, the thing about that's been impressive about this Lightning team is, is the sort of focus that they've had throughout the entire season and also their ability to tr- to improve. You know, they a uh, long time ago, they could have shut this down. There wasn't really anything to play for. President's Cup, all of that. Um, they're still on the sort of on the doorstep of making history uh, from the standpoint of wins and all that. Um, but really, uh, in terms of what they can do for the postseason and, and in the playoffs, this thing was was a wrap a long time ago. But they have pressed on, man, and they take every challenge every single night. And I think that I think sometimes, you know, people overlook the job that mm-hmm. a coach does when he has talent, when he has motive, you know, when he has sort of have to keep a lot of superstars happy. And, and Cooper has, has managed to keep these, these guys on track. And I know a lot of credit goes to the, to the players that they've assembled and some of the veterans they have in the room. But I, I don't know what else decision they could have made. It would have been probably 
pure insanity to do something else. Well, from everything he's done this year, from you know line combinations to changes to you know rotating defensemen in and, and going on you know three or four defensemen rotating in and out every three four games, to uh, everything he's done this year, it hasn't affected the team. If anything, it's helped the team. It's been better. I mean, coaching. Look, it starts with the players. It absolutely does. If you don't have the right players in the room, it doesn't matter what the coaching does. But coaching is very important. And for a team this talented and that's been as successful as they have for as many years as they have and pretty much has the same core together, and to still be getting better as every season and as the year goes on, it's, it's impressive. And he doesn't get enough talk for the Coach of the Year honors in the NHL. It's kind of, you know, there's, there's several coaches mentioned. Oh, yeah, and John Cooper, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the he's old, not going. He's the, not going to win it. No, he I'll won't. tell you right now, he won't win it. It'll be you know, it'll be the St. Louis coach. It'll be someone else that's going to win. That's going to win that. Calgary's, um, you know, that's who's, Cooper won't win it. He may not even be a finalist, and that's almost well, a that shame. would be that would be a shame. Yeah, uh, you know I, the job he's done, and we've talked all along. I mean, you know, was him not having a contract going into this year? Was that a lightning decision? Was it a Cooper decision? Was it mutual? Was it always being worked on? It was never going to be an issue. I mean, we don't know that. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Julian Breezebois took over right before the season. That may have slowed it up some too. But you know, it, it's I, look. I think it's a good thing, and it's one less thing that anybody's going to ask about in the playoffs. You know, is is you know every win or every loss is Cooper? Are you staying? You know, especially as the national media comes to town for the playoffs. Well, we'd have to agree that it at least um, if if it had been offered. Cooper waiting certainly played in his favor. I mean, mm-hmm. you could not have had um, or imagined a better season prior to the postseason than what they have done. Obviously, his, it's historic in nature. So whatever leverage he was looking for, he certainly got and then some. Um, so obviously, they're both happy with the agreement. Uh, multi-year, something they won't have to deal with going forward in this core. Young guys are going to stay together and they're going to stay together under John Cooper. So I think continuity is good. We've seen what the lack of continuity does to a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks, who have had six coaches since 2008. So, you know, that's the other side of the spectrum. Well, and, you know, the, the goal is to find the right coach. I mean, it's, it's always that fine line. You want the consistency. You, want, you don't want to make changes. If, if you're, you know, Joel Glazer or if you're Jeff Vinnick, if you're, you know, Stu Sternberg, you don't want to make changes if you don't have to. You know, when you're evaluating, it's, okay, we hired this person. We've given them two years, three years, four years, whatever it is. Are they the right person? Do we think they can get us to where they need to be, even if we're not there yet? And, and has your opinion changed of them? And, and you know, the Bucks, either they've, they've really made a lot of bad hires or they've just soured on the, the candidates that they've hired quickly because that's how you get that many coaches in that many years. You know, that's not healthy for an organization. But if you've got the wrong guy, you need to move on quick. So yeah. if they've hired the wrong guy and have moved on quick, then they're at least they're doing that part right. Or are they making decisions too quick on people and not giving them enough time? And that I, you don't always know that, and, it, and even hindsight's not perfect on that because there's a lot of factors that go into all that. Right. Well, I had a chance to talk to uh, Joel Glazer, the Bucks co-chairman. I do that every year here at the owners meetings. We'll play that for you uh, over the next few days uh, or certainly uh, by next week. Um, and he can tell you about sort of the things they evaluated with the process that they go through in terms of hiring a head coach. I know that uh, they wanted the continuity, at least from one of those positions, which is why 
I think Jason Light was retained despite, um, you know, five seasons with just one winning season and no playoffs. So um, you'll have a chance to listen to the other end of the spectrum, if you will. Um, but this was certainly something that was uh, well-deserved, and he's one of their own. They developed John Cooper in the minors. He came up from, of course, Syracuse, and, and a lot of those players uh, he helped develop themselves that are now part of the Lightning Corps. So we're getting so, oh so close to the postseason. And two, the Lightning now still with a really good chance to to make history, Steve. Yeah, I mean, they were down 4-2 to the Bruins going into the third period the other night. They win 5-4, to four, scoring in the final minute. Uh, Anthony Sorelli with the goal. Uh, and game the Lightning... While the score didn't show up for most of the game, they, they they dominated the game, really. They made some bad mistakes that all ended up in their net, mm-hmm. which is not good. Um, their power play didn't look very good uh, on Monday night against the Bruins. But, uh, you know, all told, the, the puck possession and the amount of time they had the puck and controlling the puck, they, they, didn't play, they didn't play bad. They didn't give up a ton of shots. I mean, Boston at one point had four goals on like 16 shots. Right. But, you know, the Lightning, you know, as they do, you know, persevered in the third period, scored three goals to, to win the game in regulation. So explosive. Boston. Yeah. yeah, just so explosive. And that's what they've done all year. Steven Stamkos with a couple of goals, his 40th and his 41st. Uh, first time he's been over 40 goals in quite some time. So um, congratulations to him. He just continues to have a great year, as does Nikita Kucherov and, and really the entire Lightning team, again, they're back in action on Saturday. Last home game at Emily Arena against the Washington Capitals. That series, of course, they lead 2-0 uh, with uh, two really exciting games and wins against the Caps. We'll see if they, uh, they how they fare in game three uh, before the Lightning uh, wrap it up then on the road. And then it's the postseason. We're just oh so close to that. And we're right around the corner, just a day away from the Rays opening day. Talk about a pitching matchup, the best in baseball. Blake Snell, Cy Young Award winner against Justin Verlander and the Houston Astros, who may have the best team in the American League. Of course, you look at the teams in the American League East, but we're going to have a chance to talk to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times about opening day, about this race team and their $52 million payroll and some of the new pieces that they have, as well as some question marks, including the bullpen that they need to address uh, during the season. So all of that is coming up ahead. And remember now, if you're ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees, please go see my friends at uh, Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees. They're the number one customized manatee tour, tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. You can book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-571-1888. First Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 